Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Press Football Podcast. Our thanks as ever to Rehoy and Son for their support of the show. Coming up this week, we'll reflect on Guernsey FC's final home game of the season as the Green Lions go toe-to-toe with title-chasing Basingstoke Town. We'll also take stock of the FNB Premier League season as this campaign enters its final week and run through the rest of the leagues to see how things look with some of the divisions decided and others still in the balance. I'm Tony Kerr and with me is Gareth Aprevo. Hi, Tony. And Harry Jones. Hello, Tony. Great to see you both. Um, James Faller, the Rovers Ultra, will be popping in um, <laughs> shortly as well to look back at uh, their weekend as uh, the Premier League trophy was lifted at Sylvans. Um, I've got to start with Mayor Letizia, though, I think, this week, because um, certainly was uh, in front of the TV on Saturday night to watch her help Manchester United through to the club's first ever Women's FA Cup final. Um, three two winners over her old side, Brighton. Um, Gareth, I think uh, most probably expected them to, to go a little easier than that. Well, considering sort of a couple of weeks earlier, United had beaten Brighton very convincingly 4-0 away from home in the in the Women's Super League. Um, I think United and most people who support them and like us following Mayer, were very pleased to see that draw. And um, yeah, we're expecting quite a straightforward sort of contest for United. But um, Brighton put in a hell of a performance under new management. And yeah, they, they gave them a real run for their money. And United needed a, an 89th minute winner to, to get through. Yeah, proper topsy-turvy cup. Um, yeah, quite, quite enjoyable for the neutral, but um, yeah, fabulous to see Mayer get through um, to that final with, with Man United. And what season, Harry? She's having a, a debut campaign. I mean, title race kind of right in the balance. It could go anyway um, and through to a cup final as well. Yeah, no, honestly, it's been amazing. Obviously, everything with the Lionesses as well. Uh, obviously, I don't think I don't think she came. Did she come on and eat the game in the international break the other week? I'm not sure if she. No. But still, just amazing to be sort of included in the squad, get a winners' medal for the um, for the finalisma. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, yeah. but <laughs> still an amazing experience for her to be in there, and especially at such a young age, um, being involved in everything like that. And um, yeah, this season she's been amazing. I've been lucky enough to actually go and see her in person. I think four or five times, four or five of her games. Saw her at Old Trafford once. Well, one, one game at the Emirates, which is an amazing game. It was I think it was like forty thousand there. Um, it was a proper home section, away section. The atmosphere was amazing and seeing Mayer play so well in a stadium like that, spectacle like that. You know, it's just phenomenal seeing the way that she's progressed from playing there a few years ago at BPL. Um, yeah, she's gone from strength to strength. Obviously, was so good at Brighton and then it seems like make, moving to Man United was pretty much the perfect move she could have made. Um, they've improved a lot recently, obviously, for her playing for a club that, you know, has such a big fan base and following, just, you know, making a name for herself even more than she has done already. It's just... Yeah, just amazing. So proud of proud of how far she's come on and you know keeps improving. And I'm sure, I'm sure she'll be eyeing up her spot in the World Cup squad as well. Yeah, definitely keeping an eye on that one. Um, yeah, as you say, I mean, it seems like the, the the move to United has been the perfect one, hasn't it? In terms of like her establishing herself, she you know she she's uh, you know a kind of fixture on that team sheet and and became so very quickly. And they're <laughs> obviously a team um, really on the up. Um, so yeah, back to Wembley um, for Mayor uh, on the 14th of May, the day after um, the Marathi matches. Um, they'll play Chelsea, um, who got past Aston Villa in the other semi final, um, as expected. That's going to be a very tough um, time. Yeah, a, a few very big games for her to go in a in a club shirt. Yeah, she'll be playing pretty much against the best forward in the world again because Sam Kerr keeps proving this and as she did against the, the Lionesses when she helped inflict their first defeat under Serena Vigman last week. But um, yeah, I'm sure uh, Mayer will very much enjoy the occasion and United should fancy their chances. You know, they're leading the Women's Super League. Chelsea are sort of like the sort of benchmark when it comes to women's football at the moment in England. But 
they're certainly not invincible. And um, yeah, the United have got plenty of talent in their, their squad. Like Harry says, they've got plenty of England internationals there as well as other nationalities. And uh, why not? It's probably really just a 50-50 shout. And whoever turns up on the day will um, will end up lifting the trophy. Yeah, we're going to really look forward to seeing that. Um, yeah, I checked with the Oracle, Rob Batiste, um, as to whether we've ever had a Guernsey footballer in an FA Cup final before. I wasn't quite sure. Obviously, there were some big names back in the day, Len Dutman and others who, um, who were very successful. But he tells me um, that we, yeah, we've never had a, a Guernsey player in an FA Cup final. So if Mayer is fit and selected, um, as we hope she is, um, that'll be yeah, some milestone for her. <laughs> it's amazing to think how much she's achieved when she's, what, 20 years old. It's, yeah. you know, it's, it is remarkable. Yeah, I think, uh, was it Bill Spurdle had the chance of appearing one, but is actually injured for, for um, his club when they got to the final. So yeah, it's, it's just an amazing achievement. And you just get the feeling that it's going to be the first of probably many for Maya because it's just the way her career is going she's she's taken to sort of professional football like a duck to water and I mean like you say she's embedded herself in a, in a side that's now top of the league and she just looks so at home and um, she's got so much of her career ahead of her yeah it's, it's probably the first of many hopefully yeah brilliant stuff um, we'll have more on that in the next couple of weeks I'm sure um, that's it for part one next we'll talk GFC Welcome back to the Guernsey Press Football Podcast. Um, right, let's talk Guernsey FC because uh, they had their final Footslane outing on Sunday in the sunshine um, against title-chasing Basingstoke Town. And it was a cracking game in the end. Um, the visitors um, coming away with a 3-2 victory. Harry, you're on commentary duty for the Harry Jones derby because um, <laughs> yeah. you, you've been doing a bit of media stuff for Basingstoke this season or earlier in the season. Um, obviously heavily involved as well with GFC. What was it like seeing the, the, the two sides go head-to-head? Yeah, it was great. It was a, I was delighted. It was such, it was such a good game. Obviously, you know, we've escaped relegation now, so not, not anything to play for really in terms of, in terms of league position, but still last home game of the season. Great crowd, and we, we turned up pretty well. We delivered a good performance. Obviously, didn't get the result against a strong Basingstoke side, you know, a team I have, I have seen a lot of, and they've gone from strength to strength. I think they're twenty-two points clear of third place. Them and Walton and Hersham, and you know, over the last week, we've only lost a combined three-two on aggregate mm. to the two by far and away. Uh, best teams in the league gave Basingstoke such a good game yesterday I didn't get to see the Wharton one last week but I mean we had a rotated side and we still managed to get a point so just really encouraging signs to see um, to see how, how much we've improved over over the course of this season and escape relegation when everything seemed so bleak just a few months ago. So yeah, it was a great spectacle yesterday. Great crowd, great away crowd as well. You know, there's a bit of back and forth between the Guernsey fans in the in the grandstand with the trumpet and the Basingstoke fan with the drum behind the goal. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was a great game, great great occasion as well. And yeah, fair play to Basingstoke for getting the three points and it makes for them and Walter Hirsch the last game of the season really exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Well, those two sides locked on eight Eighty-six points. Um, yeah, just one game to go. Walton Hersham in the box seat with a considerably better goal difference. Um, they go to Thatcham Town on the final day. Basingstoke host South Park. Uh, yeah, Gareth, as Harry mentioned, yeah, two games against the, the top two and um, and two really encouraging performances. I mean, I think Basingstoke were good for their win, weren't they, on Sunday? But lots to build on. Yeah, I, th- I mean, Basingstoke, I was expecting them to impress me and to be fair, they did. I, th- I thought they were a very good side. Um, but probably what impressed me most about GFC was just the character they showed. I mean, to fall sort of behind in the fourth minute to a very good goal it was um, from um, Basingstoke. It was uh, DeAndre Brown who opened scored the opener. Um, to come back and equalise within the first quarter of an hour was um, really impressive. I thought, actually, sort of when I was looking back on my notes after the game, GFC created sort of like the next three or four chances after that first goal. So it just shows how far they've come sort of basically since mid-January when they started turning things around. 
And um, yeah, it was, it was a really good game. I thought uh, Basingstoke should have been further ahead at half time. They had a couple of chances right on the stroke of half time. Josh Addison made a really good save. And then there was that miss, which nobody quite knows how it managed to go about seven, <laughs> seven feet over the bar from uh, from basically a yard out. It was, it was a remarkable miss. But uh, yeah, and... To to just be one goal behind at half time was probably a big boom for GFC, and, and they knew they were in the game, and they came out. You know, Ross Allen is playing his three hundredth game for GFC. I mean, it was obvious he was going to score, wasn't it? I mean, let's be fair; he's bound to sort of live up to the script in that regard. Uh, he took his goal nicely. I don't know if Basingstoke have ever heard of Ross Allen, but they left him unmarked by about ten yards in the box, which is <laughs> always going to be fatal. Um, but yeah, and it was a really, really good goal. I thought to win it from Basingstoke, though they they, took, they just created really nicely and finished off brilliantly. Um, but it was it really was nip and tuck, and GFC finished strongly. They could have easily sort of snatched a point near the end. Um, would it have been deserved? Well, I, it's one of those things. I said to Tony Vance after the Walton Hersham game that felt more like a two point win for us. If you say you know we we got a goalless draw with a with a weakened side, and if we'd have got sort of two points out of those last two home games, I think it would have been a pretty fair reflection on what we achieved in those games against the top two sides. Uh, it wasn't to be, but they've still got a couple more games and. Um, Although they're perhaps dead rubbers for GFC now that they're safe, but every game has got something on it. Um, I know that they're playing Hamworth Villa, who are looking for a, a playoff spot on, on Tuesday night, and then their last game's against Bedfont, who I think can still get out of the automatic relegation spots into sort of relegation playoffs. So there's still a lot that GFC are going to be influencing in, in the league table. So um, they can't take their foot off the pedal just yet. Yeah, we well, mentioned Tony Vance there. Let's uh, hear what he had to say after this one. Your assessment of the performance, Tony? I mean, you wanted to go toe-to-toe with title contenders and it looks like you did that. Yeah, we definitely did, I think, and, and we had them rattled at the end. Um, obviously, you know, they're in, a, they're in a winning position, but they, they couldn't relax. Um, and, you know, I think our half and a puff probably deserved a draw out of it, possibly. I mean, when you consider the um, couple of key decisions that didn't go away, I mean, that was, that was a pen on Jacob um, first half and, and the ridiculous offside law. Um, killed us. <laughs> um, it's just shocking, really. It needs to change. Um, but, um, you know, I hate it. <laughs> um, I absolutely hate it, and it's just ridiculous. But, um, you know, so, so sort of scrap those, those instances away, and, yeah, we went toe-to-toe. Having got back on level terms, what was the message at half-time? So, um, you know, we knew that sort of if we could get the ball in, into those sort of those areas where we can force set pieces and force, um, force, uh, you know, in those in those sort of like that zone, if you like, that final third zone, um, with with Fuzz, uh, with Fuzz, with Faz and Muzz up there, and um, and Ross and Charlton in behind. Uh, that that's where we we were having them. You know, they they were having most concern. Um, we had a spell and sort of for ten minutes, I think, in the first half, where when we got our goal, and uh, that all came from that sort of that sort of play um, you know it's not pretty sometimes because you, you, you're getting it forward but when you've got those assets you have to do that and you know I thought I thought whilst we we're building up play fairly nicely you lose the ball there you're in trouble against a team who are very quick in transition um, but also you know in the build-up play of having Ross and Charlton building up there they're the ones you want in the final third so uh, the message was to was literally just to get it forward with with quality um, use the assets we've got up there and, and be in a position to get second balls and try and win set pieces because, as I said, we're, we're a real threat on that. And, uh, you know, I think that's how we forced our goals. And, 
as I said, we have them wobbling. Yeah. You had a couple of chances later on as well, which just on another day would have fallen for you, I suppose. Yeah, nothing fell for us, um, whereas, you know, their winner did fall for them. Uh, you know, I thought the nine was a really good player, actually. Um, but, you know, all in all, I've just said to the guys there, you know, we've just played two teams who have pretty much run riot in this division, um, battered us when we were weak, and uh, we have gone you know, against them in two different types of performances, but showed that we've got the um, the resources and the assets to um, to to uh, compete. You know, these two are running away with the, with the league, if you like, and uh, here we are, um, you know, having a go at them, and they're nervous about us. And now it's a very quick turnaround before Hamworth Villa on Tuesday night. Um, obviously looking to win that game. What's it sort of looking like in terms of, are you going to have a strong travelling squad for that one? I hope so. Um, you know, obviously the, the lads need to dust themselves down, but we should be okay. Uh, you know, before the game, I, I wanted nine points. So I wanted to win three games. Um, I think you could tell we wanted to go and win that game. Um, I don't like uh, dead rubber games. I hate it. It's boring. You know, it's pointless. And, uh, you know, last year when we survived, our season fizzled out and uh, it was all a fuss about nothing really. And, you know, it wasn't really that enjoyable. And we ended up, you know, we could have gone up a notch or two in the league last year if we'd have put some performances in at the end um, once we were safe, but we didn't. So we ended up in an in a average position uh, this year. <laughs> the way the games could have gone, um, we if we'd have got three three wins, which we, we obviously haven't now, um, we'd have, we, we could have got 12, which is remarkable. Um, so uh, that's now been readjusted. We can only get six. And uh, what we want to try and do is um, is do that. Simple as that. Tony Vance speaking to you there, uh, Gareth. Um, yeah, you mentioned Ross Allen, a goal on his 300th appearance for the Green Lions. I think Scott Fusilier um, tweeted a photo of him um, uh, and sort of asked the question, is he the, the best ever striker at this level? I mean, he's got to be in the conversation. I mean, we, yeah, yeah he's sort of here in Guernsey, we've, uh, yeah, we've only been kind of closely associated and interested in this level of non-league football for a decade but certainly in this time he's yeah he's as good as we've seen yeah I mean Ross you know let's be honest he, he could have played at a much higher level than what Guernsey can offer really throughout his career I mean, and he has gone on to prove that by going to the Club World Cup when he went down to New Zealand for a little while but um, he, he's just been uh, just awesome for Guernsey as an island side as a GFC and for you know Rangers back in the day when he was playing regularly for them and we should just feel very thankful and lucky that we've been able to watch him for, for so long. And hopefully, I mean, he, he still looks in really good shape. I mean, I know he turned 36 sort of not that long ago, but I mean, he could he still looks like he could play for another couple of good years at a very high level. So, you know, fingers crossed that we have him available to us. Yeah, let's hope so, Harry. As you mentioned, obviously, you know, you've been involved in Basingstoke Town as well. So, so and, and you yeah. know covering the away games for, for Guernsey FC. Um, is, is, you know, when Ross Allen appears on a team sheet, particularly away from home, um, are there murmurs? You know, is, is there still that reputation there? Yeah, people definitely take notice <laughs> of Ross still. Um, yeah, I think the basis I chat, I spoke to him, I think it was a few months ago, and he's still, because sometimes, sometimes I chat to him, and he was still saying about sort of Ross, and because when, when Ross was unavailable, when we were struggling, I remember chatting to him, and then ask, he's just asking, like, when's Ross back? When's Ross back? <laughs> Things like that, because like, then you'll improve. So he's still obviously got such an unbelievable reputation at this level. I mean, even this year, when he's he's not really even played that much, and he's still got, I think, 13 goals in 19 now, with a number of assists too, and that's from playing pretty much centre mid in half the games. You know, he's still, I mean, I didn't even, I didn't even know he was 36. He doesn't, he doesn't play like he's, you know, in his twilight years. He's still absolutely ridiculous still our best player um yeah in terms of best player at this level ever he's probably 
probably well up there. And like exactly like Gareth said, you wonder how he would have done playing a higher level in his career. You know, National League, League Two, you know, maybe even higher. I don't know because he's just he's just ridiculous. One of the best goal scorers I think I've ever seen. Even just yesterday, his goal, it didn't even seem like the ball was going to come to him until it did, and he still sort of takes it by surprise. It still takes down perfectly, and then finishes without a trouble while he's like leaning back, slipping over. It's just ridiculous. That goal he scored at South Park last week as well. I mean. It's, it's not even a surprise seeing it, him just chipping a keeper casually because he's done it so many times over the years. Um, yeah, there's not enough superlatives to describe how good he is at scoring goals and just, just generally his game. I mean, the assist he got for Sam Murray's goal yesterday, the way he, just his footwork is ridiculous. He's, you know, I can't describe how good he is and how good he's been over the years and hopefully for a few more years to come. Still. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, he's 36. If Dave Merris didn't exist, you'd be like, oh, well, he, you know, he's probably due, uh, due a sort of retirement. But the fact that Dave Merris is still going strong, you think, well, maybe get another four or five years yeah. out of your yeah. Austin. I'm not trying to rob this in tone because you know, I know you're a sort of schoolmate of Ross and similar position and what have you. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know perhaps you could have kept going until you're that age. But well, I'm we still go. going. We're going to talk about that in a bit. I think <laughs> yeah, we'll get on to that later. Yeah. Um, no, Harry, as you said, Ross, uh, 13 goals. Yeah, this season, seventh top scorer in the division. I mean, some way behind Eddie Simon, who's like, yeah, gone sort of mad this this campaign. But yeah, I mean, if he'd been around for another the, the, the sort of two or three months that he missed, you know, he probably would be right up there amongst the top yeah, scorers again. Absolutely. So. Yeah, and it's just the influence he has as well on on just the whole the whole atmosphere around GFC, not just within the squad, but I have said this before on the pod. If you go to a GFC game and they read out the team sheet and Ross Allen is in it, the whole crowd just seems to lift that that you know that notch just before a game. It just gives you that much more um, confidence that they'll be able to sort of compete with anybody on their day. And uh, yeah, that's, that's why sort of everyone's got everything crossed that he keeps going for several more years to go. Yeah, there was one moment as well, wasn't there, talking about the technique. We all stood together at the back of the stand. There was a, a bit of a passage of play where some first touches were letting people down. And then uh, there was one where Ross just sort of plucked it out. Yeah. There's one that, yeah, the long ball that was punted forward and on the halfway, he just cushioned this ball and it dropped dead at his feet after we'd been moaning about the rest of the, the quality on show for that previous couple of minutes. Yeah, we all just oozed, it just oozed class really, didn't it? Yeah, no, it was great stuff. Well, that's, the final glimpse of the Green Lions um, for most of us this season. Um, yeah, they're away Tuesday night and Saturday at Hamworth Villa and Beffont Sports, as we say. Um, but won't be the, the last glance of, um, of sort of Guernsey's uh, top footballers, will it? Because we've got Marathi, home Ratty to come and then the Island Games. So um, yeah, loads more uh, chat on that here on the Guernsey Press Football Podcast and of course in the pages of the Guernsey Press too. Um, right, I'm going to go and grab James Fallon. We'll talk uh, Premier League and the rest of the leagues in a minute. Welcome back. Um, James Fallon has joined the fold um, to reflect on a, well, I say busy weekend in the Premier League, a, um, a, a celebratory weekend in the Premier League as um, Rovers lifted the cup at Sylvans, a two-all draw um, to do it. Coming back from behind, Jim, um, a satisfying way to, to lift the cup? Well, funny old day, wasn't it? I mean, I suppose the, the, the one thing you'd say for Rovers is they made the right decision not to get the trophy on Tuesday night. <laughs> Because that would have been utterly miserable. But uh, so nice uh, sh- uh, sunny Saturday afternoon at St Peter's. Uh, kind of you know got the job done, got the trophy. The match you know was almost incidental, but uh, the the team that would take most out of the match would be uh, would be Sylvans. I think you know uh, they've played uh, Rovers four times this calendar year already, and each time have got a little bit closer. And this time actually they played very well. You know, went two 0 up. Uh, at the end of the day, you know Rovers. Could have won it. Probably they had more chances, I think, at the end of the day, though. Um, Sylvans did hit the post twice in the first half. Uh, but a draw was a fair result. And, you know, 
not not to lose is kind of uh, acceptable for Rovers, and uh, and then they uh, you know did did the deed for the third time. So congratulations. Yeah, nice to see Toby back to help lift the trophy as well after his his nasty injury at Blanche Pierre Lane, and uh, yeah, the presentation sort of made him hobble back towards the team somewhat with his brace on. Yeah, and, and well, I think that the brace was probably the reason he didn't have shorts on, <laughs> but he did he did have the the, the shirt, which was uh, nice for the pictures. But yeah, I mean, uh, I spoke to Toby actually on Saturday. And, uh, you know, I'd never really spoken to him much before. It's clear he was um, very well uh, loved and respected at, uh, at Portsmouth and was very, you know, the leader of the gang, but yeah, really part of the gang. And I think that's one of Rover's uh, strengths at the moment is that it's a, a really tight group of all, um, you know, all uh, pulling for each other, um, you know, very much so. And so many of them have been down at Portsmouth for so long. Toby arguably was, you know, was the was the real import. I mean, you know, one coming from off-island, but also one of the few guys, most of the other uh, rest of the squad have played junior football at Portsmouth as well. So, but he really, uh, he really got the got the club, and I think they really got him. So he's a sad loss. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one thing we were speaking about in the newsroom just before, we need some sort of finishing school for Guernsey football trophy presentations. I think because uh, it could go one of two ways. Kind of, there's been there's been some good ones down the years. Um, I think the under 18s um, this season and then Ratty win it worked well. We saw some faces. We saw a trophy go in the air, but this one was one of those where the trophy sort of just disappears into a bundle of bodies. Oh, exactly. It was like <laughs> it was like a rugby scrum, wasn't it? Where you know, with no natural grandstand or you know to show the trophy to or whatever. And instead it just became a kind of internal scrum <laughs> uh with about twenty bodies in it and uh, an, an invisible trophy. So yeah, it wasn't much of a one for the photographers. Yeah, I think Andy Davey and the rest of the, uh, the photography pack um would appreciate um some work on that. So maybe something to think about for next season. Where we're into the the final Sort of, well, week 10 days of um, the league season. Um, elsewhere this weekend, um, Saints uh, won the winners over Bells. And Harry, um, you've got a few minutes under your belt as, uh, as Rec um, beat Rangers 3-1. How did that one go? Yeah, yeah, it was, um, yeah, it was, it was a good win in the end, but made to work very hard for it. Um, Rangers, Rangers took the lead very, very early on um, via a penalty and then did what they've done very well um, so far this season. They've improved a lot. Um, to be fair to Rangers, that's their season done now. Heavily, heavily improved from last year with Chris Tardiff at the helm. Seems like they're a, a camp definitely going in the right direction. And, and you know, they they did really well to to make us work hard for sort of an hour with the lead. Um, sat deep, very defensively organised. And then I think it was an own goal, uh, made it one all. And Jacob Marston Pipe, Russ, had a, he's had a fantastic season, um, made it 2-1. And then in the end, we sort of took control um, and got the third goal. Glenn Letizia, um sealed it. So yeah, good, good win for us. Couple more games left this season. Can still technically get a wee way spot, but it would need a, a ridiculous swinging goal difference, which I don't think is <laughs> is too. I mean, we got we got we got old knee uh, at the weekend. I won't be there for that one, but um, you'll have to pay about twenty points. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, really very encouraging season for us. Romers is I spoke to him earlier uh, for the reaction article. He's very happy with sort of how the season. I asked him to sum it up, and he said. You know, he would have he would have snapped your finger off for this for this season that he's had his first year at Rack and yeah definitely moving in the right direction for sure. Yeah, and you weren't the only uh, dynamic bench impact sub um, <laughs> to come on against a Rangers side this weekend. Um, uh, yeah, I've now got as many assists as I've won headers this season um, after coming off the bench uh, at St Andrews and delivering a just an inch perfect cross for uh, James Lee to head in at the back post. Jim, unfortunately, wasn't there to witness it. <laughs> and as a result, I'm afraid I'm a doubting Thomas Taylor. <laughs> Until I see video evidence. <laughs> um, no, probably the high point of my season. Um, we've got plenty more games to come. <laughs> <laughs> Not many candidates, right? <laughs> um, 
Right, that's the pre-league um, results for this weekend done and dusted. A um, few games still to go. Um, we've got one midweek, North against Sylvans, and then at the weekend, um, it's Wreck against, yeah, as you say, Alderney, um, North against Bells. Um, yeah, so anyway, we'll, we'll pick up some of those um, next week, I'm sure. Um, but Jim, we wanted to run down some of the, well, all of the other divisions to, to take stock of where we are, um, uh, which have been sealed and which ones are still, um, yeah, to play for. Yeah, the silverware started to be um, uh, distributed in within Guernsey football now. So Rovers uh, have also picked up the Jackson um, with, uh, you know, the new truncated Jackson season but they uh, finished clear of the clear of the pile there um, uh, and division two has also been resolved in favor of North um, who uh, came through in that division division three remains to be settled but it looks like St Martins uh, need one point from their last game against bottom of the table police so uh, one suspects that uh, Division Three trophy will be heading up to Blanche Pierre Lane. Yeah, you got a bit of an indie slant, obviously, on the, on those divisions. But what's your sense of of, of how they've played out this season? Uh, well, there's been, a, I think, weather hasn't helped, or, or certainly maybe the the indie season has been even more disrupted by uh, by pitches. But um, it seems not much flow of games at that, that level of football. I appreciate, you know, you need to. Uh, prioritise your higher divisions for you know, for giving people the, the best treatment. But you know, with um, postponements, we've seen to go an awful long time without without games. Uh, and then now, uh, as a club, we play Wednesday, Thursday, Friday this week. You know, uh, so that's uh, I guess you know, is it's the way it goes. So the seasons tend uh, the those lower levels tend to be a bit stop start, but the competition is uh, you know is relevant and, uh, and 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 good, and people seem to enjoy it. So that's what yeah. It's I, I, I think that is, the the infrequency or the yeah the stop start nature of it is maybe a bit of a barrier to to some players. I mean, I wonder is there an argument for uh, for going back to using a, you know, or, or trying to use a different venue, a, a sort of a, a one off venue like Cambridge Park, and just saying that all Div Three will be on Cambridge Park at weekends or something. I don't know. The, the old business league uh, or Sunday leagues or whatever you know, gave that social footballer what they wanted. Basically, you know, uh, every Saturday, every other Saturday, whatever it might be, you know, you were going to get. That 90 minute run around and uh, that is what you know, maybe at that level a lot of people sign up for um, well we'll see let's look at the age group um, leagues Jim uh, yeah because there's uh, yeah, been some some action this weekend yes yeah, so we've got a couple of uh, couple of leagues that are, that are already settled and a couple of leagues that have got almost um, you know big deciders to come in the next couple of weeks so that will be quite interesting um, under 16 Sylvans have sewn up that title and under 15 north of uh, a clear of the pack there so those two leagues are settled uh, but at 14 you've got um rec and north both level on on 33 points rovers have finished their season on 32 so that looked like a a good three-way uh three-way tussle uh rec has still got to play north in that in that league so that will be intriguing to see how that resolves itself and at under 13 level uh, Rangers Red and Rovers are again clear of the pack they're both on 37 points and they both have to play each other uh, but Rangers have one more game uh, left rather than Rovers so Rovers will need to beat Rangers and then uh, Rangers winning their final game uh, should force a playoff at that level and the ridiculous uh, under 18s league continues <laughs> there's still three teams in, in with a shout of that um, Rovers have played their final game yesterday and gone top of the league, timing their run like a grand national uh, uh, candidate. But uh, North, I think, plays Sylvans tomorrow night. And if North uh, win that, they'll win the league. And North have been you know, uh, leading for virtually the whole season. So that wouldn't be a big surprise. 
However, if they were to lose and then Sylvans were to beat St. Martins uh, in one of Saints' two remaining games, then there's, that's a playoff between Rovers and North. Or if St. Martins win their two remaining games and Sylvans, lo- sorry, and North lose on Tuesday night, then St. Martins can win the league. So uh, with an, uh, that's a headache for Matt Lee because with an Upton store to organise, uh, he does <laughs> so He's going to be cheering on North tomorrow night. <laughs> well, and well, that would be the simplest way for it to resolve itself, wouldn't it? Yeah. And for you as well, a poignant afternoon? Uh, emotional moment, yeah. yeah. Finished my uh, my junior league career at the tender age of fifty two. Um, <laughs> uh, no, um, after what, uh, fifteen years of uh, of coaching at Portsmouth, so uh, yeah, that was that was my last game. Unless, of course, we get a playoff, but I'm not counting on that. Yeah, good stuff. Right, that's it from us this week. Um, thanks very much, guys. Thanks again to Rehoy and Son for their support of the show. And um, yeah, um, the football season nearing uh, its conclusion, but uh, still a big few weeks to go. Um, so make sure you pick up a Guernsey Press six days week um, for comprehensive coverage of what's going on in local football and we've got a few more episodes um, for you each Monday over the next coming weeks so stick with us as well Um, thanks very much guys we'll see you soon Cheers. cheers